come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast, where a movie talk show podcast comes your way every Saturday, whether you're ready for it or not, in our quest for total world domination we want you to help us with that and all you got to do is hit that like or subscribe button wherever you found us all that stuff helps us get found by other people who like the same they have the same discerning taste in uh weird movies as you do are we discerning aren't we i heard that we were uh the uh, some of the greatest curators of film on the internet radios Damn. I'm going to put that on my resume. Yeah, that was in the comments like last week. Oh, we're going to have to dig up who said that to us, but thank you very much. Yes, thank uh, you. <laughs> it stuck with me. That's high uh, praise. All right. Well, uh, you're probably out there in Radio Land wondering who you're listening to. These are the internet radio superstars. Holly. Michaela. Sean. And I'm Colin. And tonight we watched a movie that was chosen by Holly. Holly, what did we watch tonight? Tonight we watched John Carpenter's Body Bags. From the year. 1993. Ooh, directed by John Carpenter, of course. John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, and, and Larry Sulkis. Wait, wait, who? <laughs> uh, the the <laughs> first two I knew about. Who's the last one? What? Who's the last one? Sulkis? Yeah, who's he? Yeah, who's that guy? That's a good question. All right, I'll tell you. He's the guy who directed the morgue scenes uncredited. Uh, The morgue scenes were directed by somebody other than John Carpenter because they star John Carpenter. Uh, Okay. Bravo. Bravo. So. uh, Whose idea was this? Well, we've. um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's like uh, on a show like ours, John Carpenter is going to come up often, right? Yeah. That's Um, a count. Oh man, I don't even uh what we've done uh we did We've the, done like 3 in the past year alone, I feel like. Yeah, we've yeah. A lot. They all came at like a in a cluster, but we've done The Fog, we've done Villi- uh, no, did we didn't do Village of the Damned. We did uh, yeah, No, we yeah, did. We did. We did. Okay, yeah. Village, Village of the Damned in the Mouth of Madness, They Live, Christine, uh Escape from LA, and John Carpenter's Body Bags. So we're kind of skirting our, That doesn't count. It counts. He didn't direct it. He wrote and he directed <laughs> some of that movie. Well, then yeah, he re- he was counts. a producer on Halloween 3, which we also did. Okay. <laughs> John Carter. He also Carpenter. covered Halloween 2018. He's got a characters by credit on that. <laughs> he did the score. He did the score. That's like 10 for Carpenter. That's right. You can't get away from John Carpenter. Holly, what's the appeal of John Carpenter? What's the appeal? That's right. Like, Tough questions like right off the top. Here we physically, go. Physically, as a man, what's the appeal? <laughs> Especially in this movie. I think the question is, what's not to love about John? Yeah. I was like, how am I supposed to answer that? That's the man can do it all. <laughs> Meaning? The man's a legend. He's a renaissance man. He can write, produce. He can act. He can act, Colin. Yeah. He's got he can, a pretty much starring role in this movie. He can do the whole movie top to bottom, music and all. Come on. Sorry, he was he's Robert Rodriguez before there was a Robert Rodriguez. Indie uh indie guy John Carpenter. 
You know what I've always thought about John Carpenter because this is the 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 awesome thing about you know uh, as the Saturday Night Freak Show goes on, we learn more and more as time goes on. John Carpenter. All right, this may be a bold statement. I don't know, but I've listened to the guy talk now at length. Right, he's a hero of mine. Met him in person. Um, I think that John Carpenter is a guy who is not really as big a horror fan as we think that he is. I think John Carpenter is a guy who, if the Western had not imploded as a genre, as he was like, you know, coming up into his career, he would have wanted to be making Westerns. Oh, yeah. He, like, basically mm-hmm. says that all the time. Yeah. Okay, but this is what's changed and since the last time. we talked about that on the show. <laughs> but I went and watched... Because he wrote two westerns, <laughs> okay. He didn't direct John Carpenter's Vampires. Well, I, and I watched that one again too, with that in mind, going like, "This guy right. wants to be Sergio Leone, so let's you know look in, and yeah, vampires." Um, but he wrote a movie called Blood River for John Wayne in the early 1970s, because John Carpenter originally got started. Uh, he sold a lot of scripts, including Eyes of Laura Mars and. Uh, uh, the Philadelphia experiment and, you know, all these other things as he was, you know, becoming an up and coming, uh, filmmaker. He wrote a movie for John Wayne. This would have been in like the Rio Lobo period of John Wayne's career. And apparently John Wayne, you know, had looked at the script and passed on it. It was later made as a movie for CBS TV that starred Wilford Brimley in the John Wayne part and Ricky Schroeder. And I watched wow. it and <laughs> it was not good. So I was going to say, that's, that's quite a trade off. Yeah, I wrote this for John Wayne. Let's put it in the Brimley pile. <laughs> yeah, this is, but at least it got made, I guess, by you know somebody. I'm not sure if that was a Tommy Lee Wallace movie. Um, and he also wrote one called um, El Diablo, which I think was later done as a cable, like a Showtime or HBO movie. And I think they had Le- uh, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. and maybe Anthony Edwards. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen it, but. What I what I gathered out of this was that basically this is this is true for all you up and coming uh, movie uh, director wannabes, right? Who who want to go into this? The genre that you love is maybe not the genre that you're really good at. Colin, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, Colin. I just say it. You learn as you, you should be making love stories, Colin. Yeah, I, I see. This is a, I'm the opposite of John Carpenter. I like horror movies. I should make westerns. He likes westerns. He should be making horror movies. Yeah. Um, Holly, do you know how this movie came about? Uh, this was supposed to be a uh, a pilot for a Showtime series that was going to mimic Tales from the Crypt. Because so Tales it was going to be Showtime's Crypt. version of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, Tales from but the Crypt it was such a never. It didn't take off. It was it was it was shut down after they filmed this. Yeah, after the Showtime brass watched this uh, movie, they're like, "Man, we don't need to continue with our investment, but we have this John Carpenter movie, and so we'll put it out." Um, yeah. Tales from the Crypt, as we established on our Tales from the Crypt Demon Night episode, was a huge, uh, and we did the movie Tales from the Crypt, but obviously mm-hmm. it was a huge uh, the the nineties, late eighties, nineties HBO incarnation was a huge deal, and the Crypt Keeper was the biggest horror star since Freddy Krueger. Um, and so, of course, everybody wanted to get in on this stuff. The anthology movie, or the anthology story came back. 
What do you do? You guys, I mean, do you like anthology horror movies? Love I them. do. I love, love them. them. Yeah. What do you? Depends. What's some are really good. What's the appeal of the anthology movie? Well, More bang Colin, for your buck. Colin, if you're someone that likes to smoke a lot of weed, it is. It goes great with being high. Uh, Are you saying attention spans? Okay, yeah. yeah. I can't remember what happened 90 minutes ago, but I can remember what happened 20 minutes ago. This is perfect. Okay, so that's it. Just enough time for you to get super invested and then see us, hopefully, a satisfying (laughs) ending and then get hyped again for the next ride. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You're just like, oh shit. And then you're finished with one. You're like, oh shit, am I watching a movie? Sweet. Let's get back into this. And you kind of go from one to the other. That was always the criticism of the anthology movie was always that, you know, uh, that you would have to be introduced to new characters. You'd spend some time with them and then it would stop. And then you'd have to build back up again with a completely new cast of characters and setting. And that would stop. And so there was kind of that, you know, but maybe now, you know, because everybody does like binge watch television shows, you're kind of more used to that rhythm. I mean, I, I don't know. I honestly, I never really thought about anthologies all that much until we started watching more on the show. And I realized how much I really do like them. And then was it last year, the year before that we got the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix? Oh, I, so good. I was like, I, I don't know why people don't do this more. Like, it's just such a great platform for really good ideas that you don't have enough to make it a full feature, but you know, it's a good idea. Like you get so much entertainment out of it. You know, you don't, you don't have as many slow spots in the middle. You, it doesn't have as much drag time to fill the, the, the time slot. You know, you can get out these great ideas without being bored. I really hate watching a movie that is longer than it needs to be. And yes, when they don't exactly. have a story that warrants the runtime. So they pad it out like that. I hate that. I'd much rather just watch a short film if that's what's best for the script. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's great about it is that with anthologies, you get the opportunity to bring different talents together into one film, which yeah. I think is like, it's great for, and it's great for a lot of genres, but you know, horror movies, cause we have these, these icons who make horror films to bring them all together. That's like yeah. ringing the dinner bell for the horror community. Yeah. And I feel like you get artistic freedom to experiment more with an anthology, right? Yeah. Like you might not take as many risks with a full feature, but with with shorts like that, you might take more risks. I think it's easy too to get some bigger names to commit to just yes, you have to come in for a few days instead of a few weeks or a few months. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just recently rediscovered the uh, tales from the uh, the tales from the dark side movie. I watched that again, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I haven't seen Tales from the Dark Side, but also there's a. I think there's a downside anthologies as well, like Cat's Eye. Like, <laughs> wait, what's the? But what's the downside though? It being Cat's Eye, that's just <laughs> not. not <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, they're not all winners, you know. Like yeah, we definitely watch anthologies. We definitely watch anthologies where I'm like, okay, that middle story not so great, and it did slow down, you know. Yeah. Uh, this might be blasphemy, but I just rewatched the Twilight Zone movie from 1983, and I love that movie. I have a lot of good childhood memories watching it. But wow, some of the segments that I didn't remember as much from my childhood do not hold up very well and are pretty boring, actually. <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem with an anthology movie is usually like, how do you, you know, say, is this movie good or not? Because 
it's either as good as its best segment or it's as bad as its worst segment. I'm assuming, Sean, you're saying cat's eye. There were more losers than winners in that. <laughs> so you're I like, think so. <laughs> so you're like, I don't, I don't really care for it. Right. Is it worth going back to this to watch that one story that I like? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that, that can be a downside. I mean, but like a rewatch when you're just watching it by yourself, like if there's one you know you don't like, it's easy to just fast forward. You know, it's easy just to skip to the next one. But I mean, you do, but sometimes you do have to, like in our, in our case, when we're reviewing the, the thing it's in, in its entirety, you do have to take into account are, are the other ones good enough to sit through this one? You know? I got a question for you. Here's a question for the group then. Anthology movie. What's the perfect number of segments? Four. I think three. I, I like three. But, but maybe three. I mean, four, I think, is what we usually get. Three might be... Three might be pretty good. I Actually, think about how long the crate goes on for in Creepshow and how yeah. that really slows down the rhythm of that movie as a whole. And I think that Creepshow would have been better served as three. I think so too. And Creep Show was a five. There were five in Creep Show. I think there's five in some of the uh the Amicus Amicus films obviously did like that was their thing was anthology movies all through the 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 seventies. How many were there were... how many were there in Black Sabbath? Three. Three. Was there three? Yep. Okay. How many were in Trick or Treat? Um Eh, what is there? The it's three or four. I, trick or treat's a little bit different though, because they all come together in one kind of narrative. Is Pulp Fiction an anthology? No, I've never thought of it as one. No, that's all. No, that's not an anthology. Why not? <sighs> Just uh, I know you're playing devil's advocate, but you know why? No, I actually do think it's an anthology. Do you think it's an anthology? Yeah, because Go was another one that. You know, because I guess the thing that Tarantino did was he said, what if we have an anthology, but characters will cross between the stories and uh, the first and last um, story feature basically the same characters. Yeah. Right. So it's like, uh, is it still an anthology if the same people are in it? You know, See, I think that's and- what makes it that's what makes it not an anthology. I feel like if it's tied together by anything besides the narrator, it's just not. That's exactly why I don't think Trick or Treat is an anthology. Yeah. Sam is in all of those stories. And all those characters cross paths with each other. Yeah. But I would say it's still an anthology. It's just they've I, come I, up with I, a yeah. way to in order to make it feel like a they're trying to get away I guess the 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 structural thing that they're doing there is trying to bridge what I said was the criticism of the anthology movie that it's they're also separate they're bleeding them together by having you know characters cross between them so it's like oh it feels like it's a full movie it's just we're following these people for a while and following but I mean they do have usually set beginnings and ends of when you know it's like okay now we're into this story you know, um, okay. Well, I was just throwing that out there. I was curious, like what's the perfect, cause usually the 30, the three story anthology is the 90 minute, they're half hour each. Uh, right. some of them will do that. You know, you have the centerpiece story, which is a little longer than a half hour or whatever. That's the 20 minute one. The rest of them are 15s or whatever, but, um, okay. So John Carpenter's body bags comes at us, um, I think it was after in his filmography, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, 
and prior to In the Mouth of Madness, right? And then that was followed by Village of the Damned, um, Vampires, etc., etc., right? Um, so, yeah, this is... Um, I don't know about this period of John Carpenter's career. Uh, I guess I've always been a fan of his earlier stuff. And in the nineties was kind of when it was like, I mean, I guess, you know, I think we, we covered, um, uh, in the mouth of madness. That's maybe the last good John Carpenter movie. I don't know. I mean, even that one's not like a one that you can recommend to normies, you know? It's like, yeah, John Carpenter, watch In the Mouth of Madness. I mean, that's for horror movie people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this is a, and and his creative team is completely different, but man, that guy's loyal. He uses the same editor, same photographer, you know, the same producers, same casts in, you know, in, in all the movies that he makes in this period. Um, So this uh, is a, is a movie that has three stories. Um, two of them are directed by John Carpenter, and one of them is directed by Toby Hooper. So, um, first of all, I guess, Holly, why don't you tell us about uh, what was your impression of uh, the uh, the Crypt Keeper-like character in uh, Body Bags? Right, so we have, uh, we have our host, who is in the morgue, um, and that is none other than John Carpenter himself, in full ghoulish makeup. And I normally, I, I think Michaela and I have agreed on this. We usually hate a director cameo and it's usually pretty offensive and pretty like in your face and stupid, but I actually, I actually dug it in this. I think he does a pretty good job because he's supposed to be, you know, kind of outrageous and uh, Sean, you compared him to Beetlejuice and I think he that's, feels a pretty, like... that's a pretty good comparison. He's kind of Beetlejuicey. <laughs> yeah. He feels Beetlejuicey. Yeah, I like he's Beetlejuice, but I actually, I actually dug it. He's like Beetlejuice Crypt Keeper. I was, I was into it. I was surprised by how engaging and charming I found him to be on. Camera, yeah, honestly, yeah, he's kind of affable. Yeah, and he, the thing that I guess surprised me about it is how at ease he felt, uh, you know, in his performance. Because I think yeah. uh, Carpenter has always said that, you know, I mean, because he he is not at ease in the fog. Right where he plays Bennett, the uh, uh, whatever he helps, uh, he's like the church right. deacon. He's like or the assistant, like that. yeah, yeah. Um, so he he comes off very stiff in that. So this is like you know, I mean, again, we're you know whatever twenty years removed from the fog, and he's a little looser. But I mean, he really seemed to be getting into it, even though it's like, well, what do you do for a horror host? I guess in nineteen ninety three. You're the Crypt Keeper. I mean, like, they can't think of... It's either you're the Crypt Keeper or you're Rod Serling, right? Those are the yeah. two uh, things. So he's basically... Yeah, it's all bad puns. You know, your and mileage may it vary. Felt, it felt like he was having fun with it, you know? Right. And to see and to see John Carpenter having fun is fun. Because yeah, it seems like exactly. it takes a lot to engage that man to, for him to have fun doing something. <laughs> for sight, yeah. Right, yeah, so what we know about sure. John Carpenter, he's just like, send me the check, I don't care. So to see him having fun is, like, really great. Yeah. So he didn't write this movie. I, uh, I'm i not entirely sure that the two guys who actually are credited with the uh, script, but, so this was some kind of assignment thing, but, you know, again, he brought his whole production crew on board to do it. 
Um, the first story is called, and I guess this is like I said, when we do anthology movies, we've got to take you kind of through the segments. So there's three segments. So we'll, we'll tell you about, uh, the three that we're going to go through here. The first one is called what? Holly. Gas station. All right. And set us up. What's the story of the gas station? So the gas station, we have a young woman who's working the night shift at a gas station and she, it's her first night. She's uh she's a college student, so you know, clearly this is just a, a crap job to get her through school and um probably and we see her doing a homework, so it's probably like, okay, a night job. I I did this when I was in school. I had a job that I was working at night so that I could do my homework while I was at work and um so she's in one of those like little gas station booths where you don't really leave, you just kinda like do your payments through the window. Um, but it's not like a full service, you could just get your your cigarettes and stuff. So this is her story of her first night at work at this nighttime gas station. Credit cards that you have to use the fucking swipe machine on. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. What a pain in the ass. (laughs) Cigarettes that cost, what was it, $2.36 or something that night? Seventy-five or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. There were several times when I was working at Barnes Noble that the power went out and I had to run credit cards like that for people. And I oh, yeah. to someone. It was awful. It took forever. Mm-hmm. When I Yeah, when I worked at the credit union, we still had to use those for doing cash advances. I don't know why, because we still ran it through a machine, but we had to do an imprint too, and those things sucked. <laughs> things kids today will never have to deal with. They don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. No. You had to put the no like, carbon no, paper on top of the credit card, and then this, like... Uh, whatever huge iron bar you slid across the thing and it would make a you yeah. could lose a finger in that thing yeah those Boy. things are powerful <laughs> made a copy of the credit card number on the mimeograph sheet um all right so this uh episode um was directed by carpenter it has uh let's talk about the cast what do we have oh, in the, oh wait, wait wait but the setup she's working the night at the the, the thing but on the tv we see that uh, over in Haddonfield, right? The shout out to, of course, if you're going to steal some from somebody, I guess you steal from yourself. Of course. Um, over in Haddonfield, a woman's body has been found in a dumpster, and apparently there is a serial killer on the loose. She is a psychology student. Did you notice? She's studying yeah. psychopaths because it got to be right on the nose. This is a short film. <laughs> just, you know. universe colin yeah so is this, i was gonna say is this canon yeah. are there more murders in haddonfield now well that's the thing sean i'm glad you brought that up because i looked up the timeline <laughs> so based on when this movie comes out if we assume it's happening in 1993 it takes place between five and six so these are murders that we have not seen on screen in any halloween movie because so, they're not committed by michael myers well, that's what I'm saying. We don't know for a fact that that's what I'm saying. But here's your chance to write a fan film about what happens between these movies and this lady being found in a dumpster. Go Great idea. I, I, I don't want fan films. I want a real film. Someone needs to get into this. <laughs> well, that's how you get it made, though, Sean. Write the fan film and sell it. Yeah. The, the term fan film just makes me want to throw up. But hey, uh, continue. Hey. <clears throat> well, Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction, and that person is a freaking billionaire. Well, a not legit billionaire. billionaire. I like, think she might be close to a billionaire. She's close now. to a billionaire. Yeah, she wrote a whole book. I don't have that time. No, it started as a like forum, like a website forum fan fiction. That's how yeah. it started. It was not a- <laughs> what what fat life. What is this? Something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. like Twilight don't underestimate fan fiction. Fan fiction. <laughs> well, S and M sex, but in, in, here nor there. I mean, All right, you know, so the, okay, so the the cast in this movie. Who do we have? 
Oh gosh, in in the gas station we have um who do we have in the gas station? Uh well we have Robert Carradine is in the gas station. Who we, we would have, know from uh of course his big role in Revenge of the Nerds, Robert Carradine, that's right, an unlikely uh, John Carpenter. <laughs> we just talked about recently how many Carradines there are. You can't expect me to know who any of them are or what they're Yeah, are. I've forgotten. Yeah, he was, uh, Revenge of the Nerds was his big thing. I don't think, like, that he did anything as big as that. That's the movie that's going to be stenciled on his tombstone. But he was also in, uh, briefly, a cameo appearance in Escape from L.A. So there you go. Now we've put two toward Robert Carradine. On the Saturday Night Freak Show Wall of Fame. Uh, who else is in it? Um, we also have uh, Alex Datcher, Peter Jason. Uh, um, well, Peter Buck Jason. Buck Flower is in this one. Peter Jason and Buck Flower then are, are Carpenter mm-hmm. regulars, right? Alex mm-hmm. Dasher, she was, if she looked familiar, it's because you saw her in Passenger 57 with Wesley Snipes. Right. Now I remember. I was going to say, she looks familiar. You know me, I love a good Passenger 57. <laughs> and we have, we have uh, guest appearances by Sam Raimi and Wes Craven. John Carpenter directs Wes Craven. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I knew it. <laughs> I haven't, I, I realized I have not, I think I've maybe seen the interstitials with John Carpenter a little bit, but I haven't seen this movie. Me neither. This is my I knew that was, as soon as someone passed behind her and then went, I'm like, that's Wes Craven. I can tell by that fucking outline. <laughs> David Naughton, you could tell coming a mile away too. I was like, yeah, yeah that shape of that head and that hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. American yeah. Werewolf in London's David Naughton, star of Hot Dog the movie. Okay. That's been coming up a lot lately. Hot dog all over the internet. (laughs) Really? What recently? Like people have been watching hot dog. I don't know. I think it was at a drive-in. Somebody went to a drive-in and we're watching hot dog and maybe hamburger motion picture. Motion picture, hamburger the motion picture. (laughs) The double feature. Yeah. Hot dog the movie and hamburger the motion picture. Um okay, so uh I don't think we're missing anybody, right? That's basically the cast. I think that's it, yeah. So um I mean it's so this is a suspense thriller, right? This one. Yes. It's basically she's alone in the um, gas station, and these creepy guys keep coming to the window. Wes Craven is a hobo at the beginning, or so he's drunk, right? Yeah, um, he's a lecherous old man. Then we get George Buck Flower, who's the hobo. Uh, when David Naughton shows up, she's kind of like, oh, a normal, normal guy. And she's <laughs> kind of attracted to him. He's like another student or something like that and invites her out. Um, but we're always kind of looking at all the people that she meets is like, which one of one these of people is the killer? Yeah. You know, and you, in my, I'm, in my mind, you know, I always go to, well, it's going to be the nice guy, right? Because you're suspecting all these creepy guys. So the nice guy that's just like, hey, you know, here's my credit card. You know, you go to school, like, just the nice, polite, not-too-forward right. guy. Like, oh, he's going to be the killer. Yeah, the you David Naughton character. So, it, looking at it that way and looking at his performance, was he playing it as, I might be the killer? Uh, I'd be real looking at it in the, if well, if you're going with that theory that, like, it's the nice guy that it's going to be, then he played it perfectly. How'd he do it? What was the, what, what how did he... Yeah, what? he was. Not, he wasn't threatening at all. Wasn't threatening. He's a little forward, but not he's interested. Yeah, he's showing interest, but not forward. Yeah, no, because he wasn't right. asking her out. He was like, "Well, there's. Do you go out?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah." Well, there's this bar 
That's really cool. And if you go there, you know, maybe I'll see you sometime. It's like, that's a good way yeah. to ask somebody out. Yeah. It's like non-threatening, yeah. non, you know. Um, yeah, and then you just show up at the bar every day for the next seven yeah, years. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he has a st- an unblinking stare. And I'm like, is that an actor choice? Like when he talked to her and he's all smiley, but he just kind of locks eyes and doesn't, you know, I'm like, is he playing that as... Well, I might be the killer, you know, because obviously we're sitting there going like, well, yeah, George Buckflower as the homeless guy, which is, I mean, I guess he's got the market cornered on this type of character. How much money do you think he made (laughs) for just these appearances? I'm curious. That's the kind of like, that's the behind the scenes I want to know. Like, what's he pulling down as a bum? Probably not that much. Sean, I always used to guess that Fred Willard was the secretly richest man in Hollywood because he's been in literally everything and gets royalties from literally everything. I think sure, that's George true. Buck Flower is like the secretly richest man in horror. <laughs> you know? Could be. That's not a bad way to go about like a career in Hollywood. Just like, I don't need big roles. Just put me in everything. This way, when it plays on TV, I'm going to be rich for years. I get residuals from like eight different things at any given time. Yeah, I, I, he's I, getting I that sweet that he, back to the future money. Right, I have a yeah. you could turn right? on the TV at any given time and see Fred Willard on something. Very true. Like twenty four like hours a day, Fred Willard is in something. So you're you. It's like that would be your thesis in PCU, like the Kane Hackman theory. Yeah, yeah, the Fred <laughs> Willard theory. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the movie it basically um, this time watching it, I don't know if you agree, but um, I mean it's a horror thriller, and it's like, well, how does this work? It basically it it works on. Um, human anxiety uh around other human beings right because mm-hmm. she's always it's you know we're focused on her and the way that she reacts to these different people the drunk guy comes up and it's like you know in the end of the movie we know he's just a drunk guy but she's like oh i gotta you know protect my stuff from the junk guy and the hobo comes up and like oh i gotta protect and then the uh david naughton and she's like hey you know it's david naughton you know and then peter jason she's like hey can you go check on the hobo so he becomes like the you know yeah, I'll go in there and there's a weirdo in there, huh? I'll go check it. So he's like a defensive kind of, uh, you know, running back. Uh, <laughs> I loved his reaction when she was like, can you go check on the weirdo in the bathroom? He's like, I got it. Yeah. He's passed out in the bathroom. I passed out around the toilet. I had to aim over his head in order. He was so obnoxious, but I thought his character was so funny. Um. Ted Raimi makes a brief cameo appearance, at least at the beginning of the movie, as uh, employee of the month. Ted or Sam something. Uh, Sam. Yeah, Sam. Ra- sorry, Sam Raimi. That's right, the real Raimi. Uh, and um, <laughs> his picture's broken, though. Is that a, a symbol or something? We didn't say who well, Robert Carradine plays she, in yeah, the she movie. She knocked it off the desk. Oh, that's what happened. That's right. Who's Robert Carradine in the movie? What's that? Who did Robert? We we glossed over who Robert oh, Carradine he, plays. He's Bill. So he at the beginning of the movie, he's um he's he's the guy getting off of his shift and telling her like what she needs to remember for her shift. Yeah. So it creates a lot of suspense uh, by basically, you know, she goes out to check on something. She forgets the keys in the place. She has to get back into the, you know, get the spare set of keys. George bought flowers there. The the uh, there's also like a. Uh, mechanics you know like a garage there also and the uh, hydraulic lift starts working by itself and you know it's shot 
the only thing I remember even watching it back in 1993 was that, uh, this episode feels the most John Carpenter of the three, uh, but it needed to be widescreen. You know, it's just weird seeing John Carpenter at 185 to one aspect ratio. Right. Feels like John Carpenter, but there's a lot of like handheld in this mm-hmm. first part, which was, which was kind of surprising. Different. Yeah. yeah different. His style is usually like that kind of lockdown camera, or the steady cam. It was kind of unusual to see like a lot of, uh, I mean, there's some point of view stuff, but there's a lot of like uh, handheld. And I'm like, does John Carpenter do handheld? This, this looks odd for his, uh, yeah, his, you know, for a stylistic approach. But I mean, maybe that's, you know, we couldn't afford the steady cam, John. You're working for Showtime, you know, yeah, maybe Showtime. We're not HBO, John. We're not even Cinemax. <laughs> they are not HBO. That, yeah. is, that is a true fucking statement. All <laughs> right. So here's a qu- trivia question for you. Let's see if you know this one. So, uh, um, well, okay. So there was HBO. Do you know this one? HBO had a companion network, and that was Cinemax, right? Showtime had a companion network. What was the companion network to Showtime? The movie channels? It was the movie channel. <laughs> Where's the movie channel now? They just like fucking got rid of that. <laughs> didn't the movie, wait, didn't the movie channel become like reels or something? I don't, I think don't so. know. Something it, like, I don't know. Did they just eventually fold it in and we're like, we're just show. That's what their, their logo yeah, is now. Just, just show. Yeah. Showtime. <laughs> they're still around, right? Showtime, yeah. Showtime, yeah, they're bringing Dexter back for a revival. Yeah, because you know, the, the last time I paid attention to Showtime was when, was Dexter, when Dexter was on. Was on. Yeah. <laughs> they get a hit once a decade, and they never let go of it. Well, they also did, I guess, which ties into this movie, they were the uh, the channel that distributed the Masters of Horror, which also basically brought all these guys back together. And I was thinking about that a lot as I was watching this. I'm like, well, John Carpenter doing something for TV that isn't well. I mean, obviously he did, uh, you know, Elvis the movie, and uh, he did uh, someone to watch over me. Or no, sorry, uh, someone's watching me in the seventies. But it was basically he did two TV movies for Mick Garris's Masters of Horror. We're gonna have to find out <laughs> if Body Bags is better than those, or they're better than Body Bags. Stay tuned to the end of this episode. <laughs> you guys seen these? <laughs> I don't think. I've no. seen any of them, tell you the truth. Isn't uh-huh. he doing, like, cigarette burns or something? Yeah, cigarette burns in one, and uh, Pro-Life, I think, was his, yeah. the one he did in the second season. I've seen Pelts, the the meatloaf one that's really bad. That's the Dario Argento uh, mm-hmm. season two episode, yeah. Oh. It's not good. Um, I've seen none of these. Meatloaf cuts mm-hmm. his own skin off and takes off like a jacket. Isn't John Ew. Saxon in that oh, one, fun. too? I think so. Yeah. So this is where you that's get funny. into anthology movies. All right, so basically it's determined that uh, it turns out Bill is the killer. Um, he's revealed after she finds the body of John, uh, George Buck Flower in the garage, and it's Bill. And then and real, and well, she also finds real Bill in the locker. That's Well, is that, that's uh, Sam Raimi. But he's em- Bill. Employee of the Month. Oh, he's Bill. She's wearing he's John's uh, lapel. Who the fuck is John? She's got a shirt on, and it says John. Oh, maybe they yeah. haven't got her. Uh, they haven't got her name. Yeah, it's back her yet. first day, right? I was yeah. like, it's it's her first. I'm pretty sure it was just a nod to Mr. Carpenter. Mm-hmm. So, um, then the movie becomes he Carpenter begins to employ. I thought uh, um, he's again stealing from himself um, techniques that he used in Halloween. 
you know, out of focus uh, shots of like the killer sitting up in the background and coming to, you know, stuff that he did mm-hmm. in the mouth of madness of, you know, the killer smashing through a wall. But it becomes like a chase movie with the, mm-hmm. the girl and the serial killer. Right. Mm-hmm. And she knocks him down. But then his eye opens and, he, you know, right. <clears throat> I do appreciate when she, because he does start like going after and attacking her. He's got a sledgehammer. He's knocking out that front window of the booth and everything, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Um, I yeah. do appreciate when she uh, when she fights back and like nails him in the face. Yeah, like, he's not some superhuman dude. Like he goes down for a little bit and he keeps going down. He keeps yeah, back up, but he gets messed up in this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say like if they were if they want if they were going for like one in this in this anthology series that was realistic like they did a good job with this one because everything that happened i was like you know none of this feels like supernatural anything this feels like real stuff like her whole like the beginning with with you know creepy guy after creepy guy when she's working at night i was i was like i know that feeling i have worked nighttime jobs like i worked at a hotel where every guy that checks in hits on you like i know that feeling and i like felt that in my core so like tell me about it you know i worked that front hotel checkout yeah yeah that's right. you know let us not forget about sean's raw sexual magnetism <laughs> yeah yeah as the listener pointed out the raw sexual magnetism of sean i know it's yeah. it's startling <laughs> radiating sometimes. through the screen they actually um, i actually have to black out my screen on zoom <laughs> so nobody so i don't disturb anybody i'm sorry guys yeah we all have a connection i know it comes across very <laughs> intensely yeah l- listeners like, I, like I hope this, you know like that. this man <laughs> <laughs> yeah our listeners should know that we have to pause halfway through so we can all just take a breath and you know Take in Sean's ma- uh, magnificence. That's right. We edit yeah. those parts out, but I mean, yeah. we can't right, do a whole yeah. show in one one day. Maybe yeah. the Patreon will get you the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> so she does get the better of this guy, and she ends up uh, crushing him under a uh, the hydraulic press, which is actually kind of <laughs> yeah, cool. Can see the- she gets the drop on him, huh? Oh. Nah. Oh. Blood comes spraying out of him, and boom! Uh, it, it, it's it's. It's waves yeah, it gushes of out. red blood. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It gushes yeah. out, man. Not bad. She's saved uh, as he's attacking her by David Naughton, who Chekhov's, uh, you know, missing credit card, <laughs> leaves his credit card at the gas station. She's like, no, you forgot your card. Sure enough, he comes back at the end. He's like, I forgot my credit card. As he yeah, saves I liked life. it. It was a solid tie-in. All right. It is. Like, everything happened pretty naturally, too. Like, you yeah. would run out after a guy who forgot his credit card, lock yourself out, and then be stuck outside with the creepy hobo. It's like mm-hmm. a classic. This is, it's kind of a classic, um, just like campfire horror story. Yeah. Right? It is. It's basically, it's the beginning of urban legend, but expanded. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like the hook. There was, you know, and there's a crazy guy escaped from the, you know, you put that on the right. radio and boom, away you go. All right. Our yep. second story is called Hair, also directed by John Carpenter. Who's our, our cast in this? Holly, who do we have in here? Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. That's wonderful right. Stacy Keach. <laughs> this one cracks me up. <laughs> Not I what you would it. expect from a horror yeah. anthology. A John Carpenter comedy. Um, all right, who else is in? We got Stacey Keach, who was also with John Carpenter in Escape from Sheena LA. Easton? Sheena Easton. That's right. Sheena Anybody Easton's? remember? What was it the morning train? Uh, your eyes only. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was a singer. 
Sheena Easton. I couldn't pick her out. Like I had, but when I looked at the credits, I'm like, that was Sheena Easton. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, Sheena well, Easton and yeah. Stacy Keach. Yeah. We've got. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, <laughs> so. Oh no. <laughs> um, the, the whole house is wired now. Everything okay? She, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so shouldn't, shouldn't that, right, shouldn't that monitor come down so you can see the front door now? Like, oh yeah, I got everything wired up. I can watch everything that's happening <laughs> all around my house. It's fantastic. Um, uh, so we have um, uh, Stacey Keach. Uh, we have David Warner, who and, was in uh, In the Mouth of Madness, and David Wait. Warner's hair. Oh, David Warner's hair, feathered, beautiful hair. This looks a like cameo my from Kim. Debbie Harry. Yeah, we have yeah. Debbie Harry as the nurse. And um, a brief uh, cameo by Greg Nicotero. As a man with luxurious hair and a dog to match. That's right. <laughs> so what's the gist of this movie? Set us up for this one. Okay, so Mr. Keach is, uh, he's unfortunately suffering from uh, something that many men suffer from. He is, uh, he's suffering from a little hair loss and he's feeling insecure about it, which he should not feel insecure about. At all, it's a natural thing, and it happens to well over half of men as they grow Holly, older. Thank Stop you, Holly. Colin, I'm not. I'm not. I know because he's got like he actually has a hairline. He's just got thinning hair. He doesn't have he receding hair, hairline. Yeah. A whole right. different ball game, you know. Yeah, it is. Women don't care about bald. <clears throat> women so. don't oh, care. I know. Women I listen to David care. Warner as the doctor, who's the hair replacement guy, saying that you know. Uh, balding guys are more trustworthy to women. True or false? Trust me. Less? I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I mean, that's. I think that depends on the rest of your aesthetic because you can yeah. also easily be a skinhead. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's no, true. He, yeah. I mean, depends on the rest of your look. I think my my trust in you has never been based on your hair. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone at all? Never. There you go. Well, I also, I also happen to like bald guys. But what do you think of guys with the luxurious mane of long stallion hair? Stallions. What do you think of stallions? <laughs> some can pull it off, you know. Not sure. everyone can, but some can. What do you think of Stacy Keach as a stallion? I, for one, think he's right. <laughs> oh, I think like it looks great on him. He's found the look. <laughs> like he needs a fan on him at all times. This is, a, this is a weird time in American history. I don't think that this is like a thing anymore. Mick Garris obviously still thinks this is going on. Uh, <laughs> that guys with really long Fabio hair. That's what you're going for. Jason the, Momoa. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Right. He's still, he's yeah. got, does he have Fabio hair? Fabio yeah. had a mane. It was like a horse's he mane. Had, yeah, he had long hair. Yeah. Jason Momoa, I mean, he can put it up in a pretty hefty bun. He's got a lot of hair. That's true. He's got, like, thicker hair, though. This is thin, luxurious hair that, right, you know, yeah. blows in the wind. And Greg Nicotero had this at this point in time. That's why we see him as the object of envy as uh, <laughs> Stacey Keach is going down the street and looking at all these people with right. their yeah. Yeah, Women fantastic with hair. Long hair then the dude yeah. with long hair yeah, I, and the I, dog with I think what made I think <laughs> what dog. made it so perfect was that the first one he sees is this beautiful woman with long blonde hair and you think he's checking her out and then you realize he's just checking her hair out mm -hmm. and I think that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> 
Yeah. So he goes to a doctor. This is David Warner, who's offering. Uh, well, no, he first of all, he tries painting oh, his he head. Yeah, he um, tries so much. He goes to a salon. He sees a guy. These people don't go to barbers, right? You got to go to a salon. You're in Beverly Hills or wherever they are. Stylist. Like. Stylist. Thank which, you very much. But he's stylist. We didn't even talk about his mane. My God. Yeah, I, I was- hate that man for his hair. That was like Uncle Jesse hair, but like blonde. And he was ripped Beautiful. and wearing a leather vest. His that's L.A. in the night. <laughs> yeah. <that's> yeah. <laughs> it feels it. that felt genuine. Glorious. Yeah. Um, and they're all, of course, telling him like, well, we can we can do this with your hair and whatever. And they give him a new comb. Just, you know, just shave you know. it. Yeah. Just shave it. Which actually I thought was like, oh, OK, I mean, that's an interesting thing that he did there. But, you know. Yeah, um, I was like, he actually did a really good job. He kind of like floofed it up. Like, it looked nice. This is some volume. It's a brave role for an actor, right? Because I don't know where Stacy Keach was in his hair loss journey. I don't know if they thinned out his hair, in which case, brave actor. Or if he actually did have thin hair, in which case, think- the focus on it is like, okay, you're you're self-aware of this is, you know, what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a whole movie <laughs> about either. Either way, his performance, I thought, was flawless. It was so natural. Like, I believed everything the entire time. Yeah, I, was I didn't on know board. I wanted Stacey Keach in this role, but I am very glad that I got it. I was on yeah. board. It's, it's hilarious. I didn't. I think I laughed more during this than any other part of the movie. It's yeah, just, for sure. It's so funny. Because it <laughs> seems like having hair is, like, the most important thing in the entire world to him. Yeah, almost to the point where it seems like is he like the only bald person in this universe? Because like it seems <laughs> he it feels seems like that it. way sometimes. Yeah, he feels like it. You're you're they, adopting his perspective, and his girlfriend is well. like actually like she. Well, she's actually going like you know no, I don't like you when you do this weird thing with your hair and you're just not being who you are. But she does as soon as he like does the whole you know I'm gonna paint my head and all. She's like. I'm leaving you. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. You're crazy. Although if, yeah, I mean, look at him. I would too. Just like, I'd be yeah. like, get it together, dude. Well, like, yeah, because she kept telling him, she's like, I like you. Like, I don't care about your hair. And then he paints his head. Like, I think at that point, she's just like, I can't handle this insecurity. Your weird obsession is just freaking me out and I can't deal with it. Had nothing to do with your hair. It's you being weird. Well, if you mm-hmm. go to see David Warner, and his nurse, Debbie Harry, they will take a picture of you and feed it into their VCR, which is the graphic scanner that they have in <laughs> oh their office. God. And it will put your picture on a TV monitor and you can choose, you know, what style you'd like. And of course, he wants the stallion, the long head of hair. So they do this. They, uh, treatment. they, they skipped past like three really interesting hairstyles. Oh, yeah. Really yeah, quick. Yeah. When they were going to that <laughs> last stallion hair. So I'm like, wait, wait, no, go back. I want to see what, what else he looks like. Because it's not. It's not like it's supposed to be some computer imaging, but Stacey Keach had to sit down and put each of these wigs on for yeah. this movie, which I think is great. Like, I love more Stacey Keach and weird red yeah. hair wigs. I like the first one was the Republican. Uh, this is our great. conservative look. The Republican. It did look just like Mitt Romney's hair, though. It did. It like, did. they weren't kidding. I love that, that that's what they went. It's like, the Republican. I'm just like, it's, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's totally Republican. What was the second one called? Uh, oh, it was like, it was the military. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it had a name. But uh, so then, or maybe it was, yeah, favored by 
policemen and soldiers. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Before sudden, oh, I want something dynamic and sexy. <laughs> this <laughs> massive head of hair. So they give him this uh, treatment and he bandages his head. He wakes up the next day. And sure enough, like magic, he has a luxurious mane of hair. When that, when that first curl dropped out. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was glorious. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. He's okay. very giddy. Very believable in this. Like, he was acting like right? if you woke up and found that you had this massive head of hair, you'd be very because happy. Stacey Keach is a man who's had thinning hair for a while, and I think he really got into it. He's like, yes. What I, what, I thought was, what I thought was really funny was when I was looking stuff up about this anthology, one of the few, like, pieces of trivia that I found was just that he did that whole take of unwrapping his head with the single hair falling down. That was one single take. And they, they took it. Just the one. He did it on the first try. I was like, that's that's so important that that's like one of the few facts they have about this. Just that one little curl <laughs> falling out. One take. <laughs> the effects work Glorious. is done by, uh, by K&B, who obviously we've talked about on the show before. Um, it makes sense with Nicotero showing up in the movie. Um, he's... Um, but then he discovers there's a downside to this. He has paid a, a price to having this luxurious head of hair. What, what's going on? What's happening? What's uh, the first, wrap up of this story? Yeah. At, at first, he just realizes that his hair doesn't really stop growing. He wakes up the next day and it's grown like another foot and it's just getting crazy long. But then it goes even further that it's starting to like sprout from his face and it's like coming up through his throat and it's like invading his entire body. And he's got yeah. like these sores and it's like taking over. He's yeah, looking a little Sasquatchy at this point. Yes. A little bit. And we got a little foreshadowing, I mean, you know, uh, earlier. I think when he gets his haircut at the stylist is the first time we see little thin shadows moving on mm-hmm. the ground. And we're like, ooh, is the hair alive? As it inches away toward mm-hmm. the drain or some shit. And then confirmed <laughs> confirmed that it is alive when he cuts the one coming out of his mouth and we <laughs> the tiniest ah! scream. <laughs> <laughs> and it tries to bite his finger under the microscope. Guys. Yeah. When that hair came out and it screamed, I <laughs> lost it. I was I like love <laughs> tiny screams. Because there's there's a there's a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror where Homer gets like a hair transplant from Snake and then he starts goes on like a murder spree because like the, it's like a bad hair transplant and I thought for sure that's where this is going is that like it was gonna make him crazy and into a murderer did not expect hair snakes that scream yeah there was an amazing stories episode I remember called Hell to Pay which is about a toupee that like had a life of its own attached to your head and started you know what was the Treehouse of Horror episode called Do you remember. That's what it was called. Hell to pay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, it turns out that uh, he's been implanted by. So the the ending of this is just like off the fucking wall. Right. Uh, it turns out that David Warner and Debbie Harry are actually much like Frankenfurter and Columbia. And, uh, they're aliens from space who have they like eating human brains. And they figured the way that they can uh, attack humans is by using their vanity will the humans will allow them to implant these alien things in them uh which eat their brains and make them into subservient creatures that then they harvest and put into it's like what but okay it's 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 funny this is the republican thinking process today this is (laughs) they put little zing all right what (laughs) 
Um, oh, what's so crazy is that they throw that information at you really fast. And like, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is I the 50s sci-fi movie zinger. It's like we're aliens and we come to Earth and we're colonizing the Earth. And by putting we started out as little tiny things. And now we've grown into David Warner and Debbie Harry and we're taking over the world. Um, OK, <laughs> silliness for John Carpenter's second episode <laughs> and his third episode, which uh, the way I read it, he wasn't able to direct. The th- he was supposed to direct all three of these. But for some reason, he couldn't because of the schedule. And so Toby Hooper uh simultaneously i think as john carpenter were doing the other two he did the third one what's the third one called and who's in it i it is called i and it stars uh mark hamill who was also in village of the damned yeah that's where we know him from (laughs) it's like it's like some sort of space armor and the Giver. My, my favorite. Well, Hamilton. Village of the Dam is other John Carpenter connection, even though yeah. I guess this is Toby Hooper, but okay. Yeah. Oh, we also uh, have uh we have Twiggy is in this. Sixty six 1966's Woman of the Year. Twiggy. <laughs> supermodel. Singer? I think so. She, yeah, no, she wasn't a singer, she was a model. She was like Andy Warhol's muse. Okay. Mm-hmm. There we got Twiggy. Yeah. We also have uh, Roger Corman. Yeah, uh, we have a, a guest appearance by Roger Corman. Yeah, and I can't remember if anybody else uh, made it. Oh, Toby Hooper shows up, but that's in the morgue sequence later on. Yeah, that's that's our final our, our final little okay. snippet. So, what's I about? I is about a baseball player, Colin, a very successful baseball player. No, not a very successful. Player. He's like a no, minor league baseball old. player. Very old baseball player. He's a, he's a minor league baseball player. He's got big dreams of making it big, even though he's like forty five. He's about to get drafted. He's about to get drafted to like the Dodgers or something. The Giants. Is the he? Giants. Yeah. He's going. He's going to the Giants. Yeah. Sure. It's his. It's his last shot. It's me. He's been waiting for it all his life. It's come close before. So this is his last shot. And so on. He had his a really way, good game. Yeah. And on his way home, as his wife has like uh, set up, you know, like uh, the the she's surprise. A, yeah, she's about him. to surprise him. Let him know he's going to be a daddy. He reaches for his favorite cassette, which is on the floor of his car. <laughs> so this is a, because back in the day, cassettes, this is how most car accidents happened in the nineties. I, I think so. Know this. The stats on this are through the roof. Well, yeah, because <laughs> my dad had this cassette case. Well, when they Everyone made when they had when they eventually created. CD players and cars. Then you had the CD, uh, like sleeve visor. Yeah, that you could put on the visor, so you didn't actually yeah. have to take your eyes off the road. Really, you could just kind of look up, pull a CD out, put it in. But the tape mm-hmm. deck, you had to have like you know your little briefcase with all your tapes in it that you mm-hmm. keep on the floorboard of the passenger seat. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it always was. And of course, then a deer like stands in the middle of the road and he has to swerve and bam, he hits the tree. Complain. Shard of glass in the eye. That's right, which is bad if you're a baseball player. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to just if you're a baseball player. That's the eye he uses to see the ball. Just that one. Yeah, he says when he wakes <laughs> like up. It's, in the- it's the eye he used to see the goddamn ball. <laughs> <laughs> I like that there's no mention of like. Yeah, you can't play baseball because you'd lose your depth perception. There's no talk of that. It's no. the one eye he looks at the ball with. 
<laughs> yeah, give it to me straight, Doc. I got a concussion. No, it's worse than that. Well, they do always say keep your eye on the ball. They say just singular, so I guess that's what they mean, right? I don't know sports. <laughs> I think that's a technical term, and I think you're correct. <laughs> Both Mark Hamill want, and all right, Twiggy. All right, hold on, hold on. I want you three to tell me exactly what you know about sports right now. Baseball, In baseball you hit the ball. No, I, know. I know a lot about football. You so run the bases. <laughs> yeah. You run the bases. Colin, you mostly. I just want to know. You hit the ball with a bat. The bat's made of wood. What if are the it, points? If it has ball? cork inside it, that's bad. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some trivia right now that I was unaware of that may blow your minds. According to MF Mad, the keeper of the Saturday Night Free Show Wall of Fame, we have made an induction. Well, we made two. I'll tell you the other one later, but we made the induction of a guy named Robert Lewis Bush. Robert Lewis Bush is the guy who um, discovers, him and his wife discover uh, oh, Mark Hamill's been in the car accident. And I'm like, who the fuck is Robert Lewis Bush? But Robert Lewis Bush has been in three John Carpenter movies that we've done. He was also in In the Mouth of Madness. He was Hotel Man. And he was in Village of the Damned. As Mr. Roberts, so it's possible that Robert Lewis Bush is another John Carpenter player who is unrecognized by horror film society, except for the Saturday Night Freak Show. Thanks to MF Mad, we are pointing that out. We're breaking news tonight. Robert Lewis Bush. That's right. He's doing, right. He's doing some good work, that MF Mad. Yeah. Peter order. Jason, George Buckflower, Robert Bush. Boom. All right, there you go. Amazing. Okay, so he lost the eye, Mark Hamill. And yes. so this is very depressing to him. So John Agar is we a doctor. Love a depressed, depressed Mark Hamill. That's right. We mm-hmm. don't like depressed Mark Hamill. We want to cheer him up. So the doctor <laughs> has, uh, he's like the, the first and only eye transplant doctor in the universe. And so yep. they give him an eye transplant. And by golly, it works. He can see out of that new eye. And it's a fantastic it's new day. It is brown. That's that's important. It's like black like the devil. It's, it's, it is. It's it is. Well, originally yeah. it has like... It bleeds uh, sometimes. Yeah, bloody outside on it. It's like a fucking stuff. Bond villain sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, begins to... Um, he sees things. He experiences his flashes. flashes. Yeah of naked women rising up out of the dirt in his backyard project as he's landscaping the backyard. Bloody hand out of the garbage disposal. Uh, other phantasmagorical things like this. Mm-hmm. This begins to feel very similar. Like we've seen this kind of thing before, maybe in the movie body parts with uh, Jeff Fahey or later in a movie called the eye, the current South Korean movie. I believe it was remade with Jessica Alba. Um, so, yeah, basically the whole idea of all of those stories is if you be 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 afraid of experimental medical technology because if they give you a transplant of somebody else's body part, you are going to experience some of your personality is going to be co-opted by the other personality and wouldn't it be horrible if they put a serial killer's eye in your head? How's that going to fuck you up? <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh, and it results living with that. Oh, and it results in one of my favorite things that's very underrated, which is crazy Mark Hamill. Love it we, with all my heart. I think we need crazy Mark Hamill because regular Mark Hamill is bad. 
and you know, and when you get crazy, Mark Hamill, you get you get things like that. That's right. And truly, he can go off the rails very well. Yes, he can. That's why he's such a good Joker. Mm. Very true. Yeah, he goes off the rails in a. So Toby Hooper directs this episode. I thought it was uh, unkind to Mark Hamill again. Mark Hamill ass. There's a a fucking sex scene between him and um, uh, Twiggy where the camera angle is in like a very odd position for you. You know, like as a director, you know, it's like I, I would want to protect your actors yeah. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not done too well in this uh-uh. scene. Yeah. If it's... I were to just take this scene and interpret how like it. Toby Hooper feels about them. I would say he hates them based on how he shoots this scene. Yeah, that's legit. See, I, I the way I took it, and you could be absolutely right because it's like, well, this could be exploitive. Okay, is one way, but I'm almost like Toby Hooper just had no fucking clue, and he's like, well, this is where you put the camera. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of Toby Hooper. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like Poltergeist, and I mean, he said you know Fun Houses, but and Salem's Lot. you know but after that it's like toby hooper uh you know in the mangler era or whatever the mortuary and you know eventually you know he said he ended up in uh in abu dhabi you know exiled from america doing a movie called gin over there it's like it's uh, toby hooper's like not uh, a terribly mm, i don't want to say competent obviously he can make a movie but it doesn't like he cares too much about it. You know, his episodes of Masters of Horror were generally the worst ones. The Dance of the Dead and uh, whatever the fuck that awful thing was with the how you didn't the even see it. Toolbox Murders? Is that one of Yeah, I did kind of like Toolbox Murders, the remake. Just, yeah, yeah Add another like, one to the list. <laughs> it's just like he's, he's not a very thoughtful director, you know, mm. like yeah. it's very every it's everything's very straightforward and not and not in a good way, not like a polished way. It really, the more I watch of his and the more the time goes on, I'm like, Texas Chainsaw was a real fluke, wasn't it? And yeah. Life Force, damn it. The greatest sci-fi uh, naked Force, vampire. I'll give you that one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> that's true. That's, yeah, that's like his second best movie. And Poltergeist, but that was, uh, it seems like it's really good. Yeah, they're still, arguing over, yeah, they're still arguing over Poltergeist. It's <laughs> um, good. So, there's a lot of religious, uh, there's a religious subtext to this movie, which really yes, stands out. there's a lot out. of frantically reading of Bibles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twiggy has a uh, crucifix that she wears all the time. There's a scene where they're having sex in bed or making love. Sorry, husband and wife, making love in bed. That's not love. He's possessed by this serial killer that he doesn't know yet, and her hand flops over on the Bible. Like, she's touching the Bible in one hand. As he's going down on her, very strange. Um, the uh, yes, there's a lot of uh, he he his character resorts to reading well apparently random passages from the Bible in order to try and ward off the evil that's overtaking him. I don't know how successful this is because it's like it just yeah. feels like and it well because it it makes me it makes me wonder if this whole story was written based on the Bible verse or if they tried to tie the Bible verse into the story. And I feel like it was written around the Bible verse 
Yeah, but, because it, it ends which, with that. What's the Bible yeah, verse you're speaking it's, of? Um, Matthew eighteen nine, I think it's in the New Testament. Um, and it, yeah, it's 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 the one everyone knows that it's basically you know saying you know if if uh, your eye if your eyes sin uh, to pluck it out. Um, yeah, what specifically is your right yeah. eye. If your right eye offends yeah. you, pluck it out yeah, it's, and it's, cast it's, it it's aside or something. Yeah, it's better to go through life with one eye than two, so it's better to pluck it out. It's something like that. Yeah, because that's, I read it. that's where our movie is going to end up, <laughs> that basically like there's a split personality thing going on here. He's being overtaken by the, uh, the, the, the serial killer who was apparently abused by his mom. We see this in flashbacks at some point. Mark Hamill creates a um, crib. He's building a crib for his newborn and crawls into it and has like a screaming fit. And the and we're like, this is the baby. Say the baby, Sean. Baby. Say it. What? <laughs> Mark Hamill doesn't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point of view shot. He like has rocking back and forth in that it, crib. Right. But I was more disturbed by him doing that than the entirety of the baby. Yeah. What? Are you insane? <laughs> don't don't soil Mark I, I, Hamill with that I'm baby sorry. kit. No. No, I I'm sorry. I'm I'm disturbed by Mark Hamill. I don't think he's a good actor. And when he is acting, it's just like, ugh, I don't want to watch this man. I think he does well sometimes like this, but like I do baby. not enjoy watching that man's face. Ugh. The baby is easily the sleaziest movie we've ever watched on yes. this show. Oh, Far man. Than, like you weren't that's here a, for quite Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. That's fucked up. It might have hit a so granite layer bottom that. on that <laughs> one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, in the end, he ends up plucking the eye out or stabbing. You think he survived yeah, that or he, did he die? No, no he, he died. died. He stabs himself in the eye with garden shears and he kills himself because it goes he, really far in. That, that hits brain. Yeah, he's dead. Um, yeah. I have a question. Um, I didn't have subtitles on, so for that pat, for that like last minute, I didn't hear a word his wife said. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what did, what was she saying to him. She, I couldn't really understand her either, but I, I gathered that she was telling him like how like to that do the, it. I, no, the Bible was his. She was reminding him that that Bible was his. Um, she was saying like, um, and that I think she was telling him the story of where she, of where he got it. I think she gave it to him. Yeah, because well, she kept saying, like, he kept saying the name of the killer, which was like, Robert Lawson, Robert Lawson. She's like, it's in the Bible. He's like, Robert Lawson's not in the Bible. And she's like, no, it's in the Bible. That, that's the part I didn't get, which I think is crucial. Yeah. I think. And then he looks and the Bible's been it. inscribed. And it's like, it. I yeah, I missed that also, Sean. But I, I also, yeah. but I think, but I think that's, they fucked up. I, this is Toby Hooper. He didn't make that clear at the end, I don't think. Yeah, carelessness. Sure. Like we were saying, carelessness, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't like, he's like, all right, I got to make sure this gets across. He's just like, eh, they should get it. That kind of thing. Yeah, because she kept saying John Russell in the Bible. John Russell, well, no one in the Bible has a last name, so that's just not accurate. Yeah. Right. Did someone, did the killer give him the Bible? I have no idea. I didn't quite get what was going on there. Uh, and then did he stabs he himself in the eye. That table by her hair. Okay, yes, let's talk about that because you—that's not—you can't do that. <laughs> no, hair, hair does not tie like that. It no. would fall out as soon yeah. as he like wrapped it. It falls out. Yeah, I—I I was like, did I see that right? I thought for sure I misread that situation or no? Nope. You got you got it right. Thanks, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and then uh, he dies, and that's the end of that uh, episode. All the uh, the stories are connected by when John Carpenter, as the um, mortuary attendant uh, or the coroner or whatever he's supposed to be, is going around unzipping the body bags and is like, look what happened to this guy. He was found, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, um, although we hear yeah. that the Stacey Keach character apparently jumped out of a window and then got hit by a train. Uh, and became like a little puddle, and uh, that doesn't actually happen in the story, but that was the the wraparound. And then right. in the the final wraparound, we find out, you know, because Tom Arnold shows up, and Toby Hooper are, uh, you know, other morgue attendants who come down. John Carpenter, uh, you know, crawls into a body bag, and apparently he is a cadaver mm-hmm. in the morgue. Brother. I liked it. Yeah, I liked yeah. it too. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well. We're running a little long in this episode. You can basically play it as a commentary track, probably for the movie itself. <laughs> probably. But we're like going to go around the table and we're going to tell you what we thought of it and if we would recommend it to you uh, to do that. All you got to do is stick with us. First of all, we're going to read some of your mail. And in order to do that, we're going to have to summon our mailman. His name is Igor. Bring us the mail. Masters, masters, the mail. I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising, rising. Why, thank you, Igor. He thinks you go. He's got a little hairy. He no, he has he has a body (laughs) bag. We all went for three jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one at a time. Body bag. We just tell him it's a sleeping bag. That's a good one. I like it. That's, that's all right. That's good. Uh, okay, we're going with that one. <laughs> well, now we're not. Now we're not. Okay, what was yours? No, I said. I said, does Igor have a body bag? So oh, we're, okay. we're on the same. Page. See, I was going hair, like he had a new hair. <laughs> Igor with maybe a toupee. Stop these jokes before. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> well, usually it's just like five seconds of all staring at each other, waiting for someone to go. <laughs> right, and then we just all jump in. I like how Colin. This expects us to make. I know. Sense. I get just to set there. it up. That's a, that's my uh, my role is just to set it up. You have to. That right? seems pretty easy, Colin. That was a va- baseball metaphor, I think, right there, Sean. That I was working on. Oh, um, <clears throat> that's right. You need to hit a home run. See, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, let me tell you this, listener. In order to join this fun section of our uh, show, you can write into us, and we'll read your stuff on the air. All you got to do is follow along on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Or Twitter. At Sat Freak Show. You can email us. Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com. And you can follow along on Instagram at Saturday Night Freak Show. Well, MF Mad, the keeper of the Wall of Fame. Again, if a, if an actor, director, or whatever is uh, in a movie that we have covered three times, we've covered movie there in three times, we'll like give them a little plaque and put them on a wall. We send them all. Uh, you know, certificates. Don't worry, they're in the mail. If you're listening right now, they're they're in the mail. If you haven't got them yet, <laughs> they're, yeah, um, but, constantly in the mail. So we are inducting into the Saturday Night Freak Show Wall of Fame Stacy Keach because we have done body bags. Uh, we have also done uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and we did Escape from L.A. What'd you think of his Yay. hair and Escape from L.A.? He's got a ponytail, doesn't he? Yes. He wears That's a cap, so we don't know if he's going bald, but he does have a ponytail. And stay tuned for Gotti, where he's essential. Yeah. <laughs> he has Coming to tell Colin. John Travolta who all the five boroughs are. 
can we do wait can we do that as a, a watch along for christmas and just not tell anybody <laughs> so do a watch along and then on christmas day they open up they're like fucking gotti <laughs> well about tonight's movie body bags crypticus writes in and says body bags is a great underrated anthology flick due to all the cigarettes john carpenter actually looks like the coroner now Upon last viewing, I had a panic attack during Mark Hamill's Fulci-esque eyeball damage scene, but that was due to something I smoked. (laughs) (laughs) That'll happen. Yeah. Uh, Amos Martinez says it's not top-tier Carpenter or Hooper, but it's still fun mostly for the endless supply of genre people who show up for a 90s movie from these directors. It's pretty all right. Yeah, considering it's a 90s movie. Like that's yeah. a big thing there, and that right, they sure. they did this pretty good. Teresa Ann says, "I remember loving this as a kid. It used to air all the time on Sci Fi. I like the way that she uh, specifies it's Sci Fi S C I F I, not S Y F Y, not Siffy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she <laughs> says, "I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts." Uh, Nick Siebel says, "It's a horror anthology starring John Carpenter as the Crypt Keeper." Sold. I've seen this movie more than a few times. It's not great, but it's a fun watch. I wish the killer in the first story was more menacing or wore a mask. Seriously, Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds is a weak-ass slasher. And if that's the case, they also should have had Booger, a.k.a. Curtis Armstrong, in it, too. There you go. I'm just going to say no to Curtis Armstrong in, like, anything. Has he ever been a slasher? You'd think he would. I like him in Moonlight. In what? Moonlighting. Oh, I um, I like him in uh, Better Off Dead, but he was uh, he was kind of a bad guy in Supernatural. Okay, well there you if, go. If you told me he was in the background of the burning, I'd believe you. <laughs> Everybody was. Why not Curtis Armstrong? Uh, Ed uh, Snyder writes in and says, I'm glad you guys are doing this one. I remember watching this back when it premiered on Showtime. This film certainly brings back memories of my horror-filled childhood. I like the story of Carpenter regular Peter Jason's story of how he got the role as the drunk husband who checks on George Buck Flower. Carpenter just wanted his car for the film, but Peter was hesitant on giving it to him, so instead he insisted that he give him the part as well, and that's how he got the role of the significant other of Molly Creek, who is Jim's mom from the American Pie movies. She was the that's lady funny. in the car at the gas station, so there you go. That's Boom. a nice little connection right there. Yeah. yeah. How many times do we have Peter Jason on this show? We're actually going to have to consult the wall at this point, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's been all the Carpenter movies and Angel. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, Angel. Yeah. He was one of the Johns and Angel. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Nascimento says, oddly enough, Carpenter shines in front of the camera this time around. I love the flick, even though it's a hit and miss at times. I wish Showtime had picked up the series and delivered more episodes. Carson Snar says, is this the one where the stories involve the guy growing sentient strands of hair with sharp teeth? If so, I need to watch this again. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> Nuvato Judokas is looking at Alex Datcher alone in this movie is worth it, but Carpenter is surprisingly really good as the host. Alex Datcher was in the first, uh, in the gas station. And mm-hmm. Dennis Peck says, my favorite story is the first one. Lots of Carpenterisms and some neat cameos, not to mention a black female lead, which was pretty unique. And she did a fantastic job. Yes. I don't know how unique okay. it was She's in great. 1990. Yeah. Peter Gatt says, I've seen it. But I can't remember anything about it. Rewatch. <laughs> um, 
Uh, last week we watched a movie called of unknown origin. Eric Kirby says, is it Saturday yet? I want this review now <laughs> and make sure it's a two hour show. I'm, it's a very underrated eighties movie. That's going to be a divisive episode. I think, <laughs> I think so. I mean, really it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin Clayton says I used to watch the movie on HBO back in the eighties. I have the DVD and still pop it in whenever I feel like watching a gigantic rat torment Peter Weller. And Michael Whitaker says, if hunting that thing is anything like what I go through when a mouse gets into my home, I understand the obsession. To which I say, well, thank you, Michael. There you go. Vindicated. Yeah, Colin feels vindicated. That's now. right. Yeah. Uh, the week before, we watched a movie called From Beyond. Sean Roger writes in and says, uh, we missed this because we've done so many Stuart Gordon movies at, at this point. We have mentioned it before, but he brings up that Stuart Gordon, along with Brian Usna, also wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and yeah. Stuart Gordon was attached to direct it too, but he had to drop out due to health reasons at the time. Uh, Pat Hetfield answered a question that we <laughs> asked on that show. What the hell was Ken Foray cooking uh, on oh, the yeah. stove? And yeah. Uh, yeah, Pat Hetfield really says he, when he was cooking, it looked like dumplings in the pot. And this is completely based on how it appears. I have no other proof. Don't worry, Pat. I Googled it. And uh, Michael Whitaker also agreed with you. It's uh, dumplings and stew. There you go. You can All find right. a recipe. All right. Uh, Owen Johnson. That's right, right. That's, I mean, that's what it looked like. I just have, didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing. We're all doing it wrong. We just eat beef stew. I don't put fucking dumplings in. Doing it wrong. Uh, Owen Johnston says. Uh, or Owen Johnson. Sorry. Says uh, the Oakster here. And all I got to say is a relative happened to walk into this movie right when Barbara Crampton was doing her thing. The bald Jeffrey Combs, and they were like Homer Simpson backing through that bush in that episode. Sorry, didn't mean to disturb you <laughs> with whatever you were doing. Isn't it funny how whoever you're in a building with has an innate knack to just like walk in at the complete wrong time, no matter what you're watching? Yeah. I feel like my thing. I that would like be a scene. I feel right like there. when I was like a teenager, my parents always did that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's on the same wavelength of. Uh, when you shout right when everything goes quiet. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that same power. Yeah. But parents have a way of doing that. It's like the movie's harmless, except for the, the S&M bondage scene, and that's when they walk in. Except for that. Yeah, I know. Uh, Jacob Law says, I can see the inspiration for the Grant monster in Slither in From Beyond. And Bill mm -hmm. Hainer said that uh, the proboscis head. coming out of Jeffrey Combs' head uh, gives new meaning to the phrase headbanging. Oh. Because we uh, said it looked like uh, yeah, he was, whenever he was aroused, the thing would come out. Okay. So thank you all very much. You cannot write it next <laughs> <for writing>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everyone else who thank wrote you. in. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you everyone else. <laughs> yeah, we certainly do appreciate it in all seriousness. Um, so now we're going to go around the table and we're going to tell you what we thought of tonight's movie, which was called John Carpenter's Body Bags. That's right. Get it right. John Carpenter's Body Bags. Starting with John. Well, thank you, Sean. Sean, what did you think about tonight's movie Body Bags? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, what a fun movie. I had... A lot of fun. It's not a great movie, but they don't. You know, movies don't always have to be great. But I had a lot of fun watching this movie. 
Um, the, I mean, the first story I thought was, you know, uh, a real good suspense one. I, I enjoyed that one very much. Second one was fucking hilarious. Um, I love Stacey Keach, so to see him with a, a just a long mane of hair and to be that giddy about it, I think his performance is great in this movie, just when it needed to be. Um, the ending's, like you said, it's a little like, whoa, out of nowhere. Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of a little like, I'm not going to say a letdown. I mean, how can you be let down by, you know, tiny screaming aliens eating your brain? Um, so I like that one. Third one is, uh, I mean, aside from Mark Hamill, who, again, I do not enjoy watching as an actor, but we got some crazy stuff from him in this movie. So, I mean, even that was good. Um, but yeah, it's just a fun movie. John Carpenter's great. Like, I love watching him do this on screen. He had fun, which made me enjoy it. Um, yeah, this is a fun movie. I'll watch this again. I had a great time. So yeah, I recommend John Carpenter's Body Bags. Um, wait, there's only, who can I go to? Uh, Michaela, what'd you think about Body Bags? I agree with a lot of what you said, Sean. This was my first time watching, and I—I uh, I mean, I'm always down for a horror anthology. And usually, there's going to be you know weak spots and slowdowns, but I really liked all of these, and I liked them all for different reasons. Um, and I—I I really liked just like the vibe of the whole thing. I loved the style of like the the morgue and like how '90s it looked, and I yeah. thought Carpenter was great, and I didn't expect that. And I'm kind of sad this didn't become like a TV series because I would have watched the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sad I didn't see this as a kid because I think I would have loved it. And yeah. I think it's like it would be pretty great for kids to watch. I think, and it's man, I just it went so many directions I did not expect. Like I, I thought I had the hair one down. I was like, it's gonna be like a wig that makes him evil, right? Or like haunted hair plugs. See, I thought thought it was going to be like he was going to wake up in the morning and he would just be living in hair. Like Like it would just be everywhere. Yeah, I I thought it was just going to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it looked like it was going for a while too. And no, I could not have predicted screaming hair snakes that feast on your brain. There's no way. So I love the absurdity of it. I love the goofiness of it. I love the performances. It was a lot of fun, and I really. This is something I wish we could have watched together because I know yeah. we were all cackling individually when the hair snake stuff happened, and it would have been good. And like the Mark Hamill of it all, as goofy as it is, it is also very disturbing. Like, man, some of the ways he like contorts his face and stuff is just real upsetting. Um, I find that story particularly interesting too because I know a couple years ago John Carpenter had a health scare where he thought he was going to lose his vision, and Ooh. he was like so distraught and depressed because he's like, my whole career is based around being able to see if I, if I lose my vision, I lose everything. So like, it's really interesting that that's the one story he didn't direct in this, like one that ended up being like really personal to him later on. Mm -hmm. And I, I relate to that too, because if I lost my eyesight, I would definitely not have the same career I have now, if any. So that's a really terrifying thing to think about. So I also, I also wondered if uh, Mark Hamill was triggered filming a, a car accident scene. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kidding. I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. Yeah. But definitely recommend body bags. It's awesome. Like Sean, I agree with you said, it's not, it's not the greatest, but it doesn't have to be because it's got enough other great things working for it. So I definitely recommend it. Colin, what did you think? Well, I guess, you know, you go with an anthology movie, you kind of have to rate the segments. Um, the first one is the most Carpenter-esque and it is basically what I expected from a movie called John Carpenter's Body Bags, 
It was a pretty concise, little short, you know, suspense thriller. I thought it was well executed. Uh, I like the cameos, which, you know, we said with Wishmaster, that's what we're doing at this point in time. All the horror people are getting together in the last hurrah of their generations, uh, you know, and then, you know, obviously Hatchet and those guys have kept it going well past its expiration date. But um, so I liked the first one, even though I was aware that it was like, okay, this is just John Carpenter doing shit that he's already done before. So it's like there's nothing really new or exceptional here. It's just like this is John Carpenter doing a TV episode. And it's like, okay, that's pretty good. And then the second one with the hair was like this silly, goofy comedy thing. You're right. I think uh, Stacey Keach is good. Um, but I just was like, this is a fuck off, you know, story where they're just like, eh, we're just doing this and whatever the fuck. Uh, and then at the end, instead I was of, like, this is just stupid. Instead of a stupid. joint, it should just be called a fuck-off story. Yeah, on. yeah, they're just <laughs> fucking off, you know? It's like, yeah, we got money, and we're going to do this, and we're going to have fun. I think Stacey Keach has inspired casting, and, I, you know, again, now I'm like, well, that guy was actually, you know, doing something a little more serious maybe with uh, – with the part that I thought, you know, when I saw this in, in 1993, I was in a different, you know, headspace then watching it now. It's like, okay, I can see what he's doing. He was taking it serious. You know, um, the ending cheapens the whole thing. We're aliens for another planet. We're planting, you know, alien things in your head. It's like, this isn't 1950. What the hell? But okay. And then the third one, the Toby Hooper one, like I said, I've been disappointed by most uh toby hooper movies other than the the you know like the six i said were great uh you know like everything else that guy does sucks and uh, i think this sucked and uh was it better than his uh oh and that's the thing it's like well you know uh i thought uh john Car the worst thing that john carpenter has ever done was probably uh pro-life which was like a story that seemed like they needed a second draft on her that was an episode of masters of horror that was pretty bad a cigarette burns is like got a good idea, but it's not well realized. Um, this is this whole enterprise is like lesser tier stuff from these guys. And yes, John Carpenter's having fun as the morgue attendant, but it's like it is basically. I feel like the Showtime executives. You watch it and you go like, "All right, well they did it better in Tales from the Crypt, and ours isn't going to be that good." And it's basically a forgettable thing. So I guess I'm not going to recommend body bags. I uh, I didn't like the third one. I was indifferent or didn't like the second one. And the first one was like, eh, it was okay. And so that's a bad batting average for anthology. So I'm going to say Oof. you can pass. Yeah, you can pass. on John Carpenter's stuff, like I said, it ends. And we're being generous. To go to In the Mouth of Madness, you know, because uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man but came before that. Um, I know. You hate that movie. I I like it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, like I said, I, I I just, you know, it's like, that's not what, I don't know. I just, I yeah. Complicated uh, reaction. Remember, it would take another hour for Colin to yeah. delve into that. I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on body bags. Holly, uh, oh. bring us home with your glowing recommendation of, of body bags. Well, um, I love body bags. I think it's hilarious. I think it gives me everything that I that I could want from 
an anthology show, uh, pilot that was put out by Showtime that's supposed to kind of mimic Tales from the Crypt because I think it gives everything that I would expect from a show like that. You know, we get the we get like an actual like serious thriller serial killer story. We get a weird, goofy, funny alien story. And we get a crazed psycho sci-fi kind of story. So to me, those are like the components that we get from something like that. We get weird and crazy and funny and some, and sometimes serious. Like that's kind of what Tales from the Crypt and, and shows like that were about, you know? So to me, it gives me everything I wanted. It's got, it's got gore. It's got humor. It's got, and you know, we, we talked about how it's like got this like um it's got all these great cameos and actually that was what I thought of when we watched Wishmaster and we all enjoyed all those cameos so much. I was thinking about my next pick and I was like, what have we watched lately that we've really enjoyed? And I was like, well, we really liked all of like the horror cameos that from Wishmaster. We really liked the goofy batshit craziness of Night Killer. And I was like, what can we watch that has things like that? And I was like, body bags. That is what Body Bags is. It's batshit crazy. It's funny. It's goofy. It's silly. But it's also a lot of fun. And it's definitely got horror elements. And I don't know. I've, I've seen this a lot. I, um, I don't remember which one of our listeners wrote in so that she used to watch it on TV a lot. But that's where I saw it. I watched it on, like, the Sci-Fi channel. And I remember watching it for the first time because I saw that Mark Hamill was in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker. And I was all excited. And then I was like, holy shit, this is not Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker's ass! <laughs> like what the hell but that's what made me watch it for the first time and i actually have always liked it i've always thought it was crazy fun um so yeah i i think that's exactly what it is it's it's not a good movie it's a fun movie it's entertainment you know it's that's what you got to take from it you got it's just a good time so yeah i definitely recommend body bags i think it's a lot of fun don't take it seriously you'll have a good time <laughs> All right, I got one, one, one final question on this. Uh, are do do you think that the segments are in the correct order? Yes. Yes. Waiting for sure. Yes. Yeah, because you have to like the first one is a totally different tone. It's serious, and then it's goofy, which lightens the mood a little bit, and then it's even more goofy. In like a crazy kind of way. You've got serious, funny, insane. Should an anthology it just, it just end with its best story? It doesn't have to. You're saying it should start, so front load it, go big off the bat, and then come down, down, down from there. You're saying but they, see, they didn't still, come down. But the thing is, I'm still entertained by the other two, so it works for me. Okay. Right. Well, what, wait, which? In the middle. What's it? Your best one should be in the middle, I think. As a centerpiece. Which one's the best one? I mean, first one. the first one's the, the quote-unquote best, like the best craft. All-round like best, all best? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's it's like when you make a mixtape. It's it's about the mood, you know? But, it's about the flow right. of the music. And I feel like this sets up the mood right. I see I see what you're saying, Colin, because if you, you can have like a great beginning of this movie and even a pretty good middle, but if you fuck it up at the end or if you don't, like uh, you didn't like them, and you you said you hated the Mark Hamill one. If you fuck it up at the end, that can leave a bad taste in your mouth. For the I whole think that's thing. why. Yeah, I think Creepshow ends on a really weak note. So I mean, I think I think your ending show. is very important. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, next but, week. But we enjoyed them, Colin, so we're happy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So this is a, an odd one. So it's three, four, and one against. Unfortunately, not Freak Show approved. Um, what's John Carpenter's worst movie? I haven't seen them all. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. There's a lot I haven't seen, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Escape from New York. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, mean, I really did not like Village of the Damned. That was terrible. I mean, yeah, that's not... boring. It's really boring. It doesn't feel like Carpenter at all, either. Mm-mm. I mean, as of right now, that probably takes the place. Yeah, Village of the Damned is just like blah. It's like technically yeah, okay, it's but it's just blah. And it's populated by actors like Mark Hamill and Christopher Reeve and Michael Pere and Christie Alley. Alley. And it's like, what the... Carpenter's 90s B-team. B-team! Yeah, but none of you have seen The Ward. I don't know, Ghost of Mars no. might be my, like, my least favorite John Carpenter movie. I don't know. I don't know. The, the Toward the end there, they all kind of got... Uh, and he's not dead, but he's never going to make another movie. <laughs> You know, they were he's done. Not dead, but he might as well. Yeah, he's never getting another theatrical release. I mean, once the ward went no to way, video, no. I was like, be, okay, be, it's he's, over. But he's but he's happy. I mean, he's making music with his kid. He's scoring yeah. movies when he wants to. Yeah. He's fine. I know because that's the thing too. He did the music for this, but the music that he does now with his kid and godson is better than the score to this movie, which was like, eh, it is John Carpenter, but it's like they live John Carpenter and. Not I as good it. as yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed I, they brought different parts of the, like the dinging when you drive up to the gas station. Yeah. They put that in the score. Yeah, he did some like kind of uh, um, suspense stuff there, but even his score for Halloween, the 2018 Halloween, I thought was uh, you know, better. But anyway, here and over there, uh, next week we're going to be watching a movie that's chosen by... Michaela! What are we watching next week? We are going to stay in the year of 1993. What? And we're going to watch Fire in the Sky. Ooh. Alien abduction. Nice. About the Shit. Travis Walton abduction. Yeah, I've never Ooh. seen it, so we'll see. I'm I've always I wanted to it. see it. I've never seen it. Okay, I'm surprised that this movie's available somewhere. Is it even out on video? I'm not it's even. On, are we it's look on Prime for free right now. Okay. Now that I said that, it's going to come off. <laughs> right, it's gone. It, yeah, all right. Okay, Fire in the Sky. Next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And until then, ladies and germs, the basement is going dark.